This is a Reconstructionist radio production. Please visit calcedon.edu to download or purchase this book. The Philosophy of the Christian Curriculum, Russus J. Rushtuni, Ross House Books, Vallecito, California. Part 2 Chapter 11 Music The humanistic philosophy of music is ably summarized by the state of Ohio in its minimum standards in these words. Quote, Music, as one of the fine arts, is an integral part and an enriching force in the life of the individual. As a required part of the elementary school curriculum, the music program includes learning opportunities for children of varying levels of musical abilities and achievements. Those who create, those who perform, those who enjoy, and those who may become professional musicians. The instruction emphasizes the development of aesthetic sensitivity, creative capacity, cultural awareness, musical competence, and intelligence. End quote. One of the aspects of the music program is to relate quote, music and other human experiences. End quote. Unhappily, all too many Christians would find no fault with this statement. Their own philosophy of music is so saturated with humanism that they would find it difficult to understand why the statement is so wrong. The focus of humanistic music is, as the minimum standards indicate, on, quote, the life of the individual, end quote. By means of music, the individual is defined his emotional self-expression, development and enrichment. Music in the modern era has had this focus and concern to an increasing degree. It began very much under the influence of Christian music, so that, whether on the classical or the popular level, music from the Enlightenment on shows the clear but waning impact of Christian music. In the 20th century, this influence has become more remote and, in fact, a contrary influence began to appear, the influence of non-Christian music on church music. This was far from new. Much earlier, operatic and romantic music had exercised its influences, but with the 20th century, the determination of church music by secular music became especially dominant. While humanistic music had also taken two directions which reflected the schizophrenia implicit in its nature, first, in popular music, there came in full bloom from jazz to acid rock music the concentration on the use of music to exploit feeling for the sake of feeling, Music had never been devoid of emotion, and it had always been the function of music to arouse emotions and to enhance them. This emotional function of music had always been subject, however, to a specific purpose other than feeling as such. The emotions aroused could be awe, reverence, joy, or whatever else was desired, in terms of a religious, festival, marital, martial, or other purpose. A march, as a set form, could serve a variety of purposes and emotions. It could be a wedding march, an academic procession, a church rite, a parade ground march, a war charge march, a civil function, and so on. Now the emphasis is on feeling for its own sake. Not surprisingly, in acid rock, music is allied to a narcotic to produce an emotionalism which cuts all ties to reality to enter into, quote, pure, end quote, emotionalism. Of course, this goal is an impossible one. 
The individual cannot escape from God's reality. He carries it into the drugged world of music, and hence the radical results of such music. The desire is for increased drugs in escapist music and a wilder flight from reality. In all this, humanism's emphasis on the individual and his autonomous self and enrichment is very much in evidence. Second, in quote, classical end quote, music, a similar emphasis on the individual has been in evidence, but in a different direction. Composers have produced a rationalistic, overly intellectual music, one in which emotions are sometimes squeezed out. Experimentation is made with new scales, dissonance, new sounds, and also with distortions. And older music was at times program music, written to illustrate or tell something, and with a governing external factor. Abstract music, such as Bach's fugues, was not governed by written text or an external factor, but it was still clear-cut in its expression. It followed the standards, that is, expressing religious emotion, joy, or in some other way manifesting a unity of mind and feeling. Suggestive music, a later development, was comparable to Impressionism in art, it created a mood, but tied the listener less to the composer's purpose. The new music is different. It denies the unity of mind and feeling. It strives for an autonomy from accepted and expected canons, reactions and feelings. It seeks to communicate little other than a revolutionary sense of autonomy. Music previously could be dated. Thus Bach, great and independent of spirit, is intensely a man of the musical past. Bach uses the musical past to express his present purposes. Bach, once appreciated, opens up a whole tradition of music to us. Similarly, Berlioz, while highly individual, is still a key figure in the culmination of certain 19th century musical trends and in pointing to the 20th century. Musicians spoke out of a tradition, a culture, a faith and a nation so that we can identify German, Russian, French, Italian and American music to a considerable degree. It is this type of rooting and tradition which the new music tries to break with, although not entirely with success. It seeks autonomy which is radical, a separation from traditional canons of music, national expression, accepted emotional patterns and the older rational norms. Thus, we will sometimes hear, in the new music, not only a tonal dissonance, but a clash of emotional and intellectual responses, so that we cannot react as we normally do. While the results are sometimes striking and even remarkable, the overall results show a marked tendency towards impotence. Our composers too often produce musical mules. The church has too long imitated the world in its music. The result has been, on the one hand, cheap emotional gospel music, and, on the other, sterile, quote, highbrow, end quote, music, which is more often artful than art. Christianity, if true to scripture, must be the leader in music, not the follower. It must insist on its own musical canons. First, the biblical faith is unique in its strong emphasis on music. An entire book of the Bible, the Psalms, is a hymn or songbook. In both Old and New Testaments, Believers are commanded to sing, for example, Isaiah 12, 5, 18 and 19, James 5, 13, Colossians 3, 16. Second, 
The tithe includes the support of musicians as a necessary part of worship. This fact, together with the summons to sing, has given Christendom an emphasis on music not found elsewhere in the world. Historically, one of the most potent instruments of evangelism and mission fields has been music, and some pagan faiths such as Buddhism are now trying to copy Christianity and to use music to hold their believers. Third, in Scripture, the function of music is not man-centred, but God-centred. Man does not sing for his own self-expression, nor for his enrichment, but because he has been enriched by the grace of God unto salvation. This is clearly stated, for example, in Psalm 34, quote, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness, end quote. The commandment is always, Sing unto the Lord. Hence, in older churches, not only the congregation, but the choir, often located in the back of the sanctuary, sang facing the altar or the pulpit, unto the Lord. The modern choir sings to the people, and the people sing the hymns which please them. Is not man's enjoyment of the song or music, but the expression of covenant man's joy in the Lord, his gratitude, thanksgiving, petition and prayer. Only such music can be pleasing to God, because the requirement is always to sing unto the Lord, whether with voice or with instrument. Quote, sing unto the Lord with the harp, with the harp and with the voice of a psalm. End quote. Psalm 98.5 Fourth, the value of music in the instruction of others depends on this God-centered emphasis. St. Paul shows this aspect of music when he declares, quote, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord, end quote, Colossians 3.16 The meaning here is that others are taught and admonished by our songs because those songs are sung with grace unto the Lord. They may enjoy our other singing more, but God's purpose is accomplished by our God-centred singing. It follows certainly that Christian music which meets this requirement calls first of all for God-centred musicians, men whose life and thought is governed by the sovereignty of God and His majesty. The Westminster Shorter Catechism begins by declaring, quote, Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. End quote. This is an excellent statement of the purpose of Christian music. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.